It takes more than saying hello on a Slack DM and after two hours completely forgetting what you're going to ask to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering episode 389. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I am your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers who lose track of what they were doing. Did you know there's a website called nohello.com? Yes, I did actually. And I, I went there <laughs> while I was looking at this intro. So did I. <laughs> uh, if, if only the people who said hello and then didn't say why they're saying hello read this website. There's also a, a competing website called nohello.net. <laughs> so ah, that's important. Are there fierce religious wars between them? No, it looks like one is just a little newer. You know, the other one is more like an IRC no hello, and the the new uh, the no hello dot net is more like emojis. A yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like one is vintage two thousand thirteen, and one is more recent. I wonder if there is a yes hello. <laughs> yes hello dot net. I, should I mean, really there should, is. I'm sure, but yeah, I really should go to spam. random web domains. <laughs> like <that>. Yeah, <laughs> rolling the dice. I think it is a cultural thing. I feel like I've noticed it. There's just some cultures that like you have to if it maybe it feels rude to say, "Hey, I have this question" instead of exchange the the protocol first. It's like a TCP handshake or something. Yeah, it is. And and I know, you know, I could take the word culture in your statement to mean two things, you know, something like team culture, but also kind of culture at a at a more macro level. Like I'll just give an example. A good friend of mine He's an American, and he was visiting England, and he went out for a jog along the Thames River in London, and he needed to know what time it was and didn't have his watch or needed to know a direction or something. And he walked up to somebody on the street and, and just asked them, hey, do you know what time it is? And the, the, it was a local Brit, and apparently in that culture, and at least this person in that culture, considered it very rude to walk up to someone and not say, good afternoon or good day. And so instead of answering my friend's question, the person said, good afternoon. And he was like, uh, yeah, great. So what time is it? And he was like, so he, the person repeated, I said, good afternoon. And it was just this hilarious, like cultural obliviousness and cultural enforcement moment. Uh. Well, your friend didn't know what time it was. How would he have said good afternoon? Exactly. <laughs> He's trying to figure out the time. <laughs> good sometime. Sir, I'm trying to say the proper greeting, but first I need some information from you. <laughs> <laughs> Just goes to show it's very relative where to me it's annoying because I expect people to conform to my culture because there's like enough of a majority that it, it sticks out when someone does this. but. I'm sure if I went and worked at a company where everyone said hi and like you had to say hi back before you said something, then you'd, you'd figure someone it out. would be furiously typing up yeshello.com, <laughs> passive aggressively send it to me. Yes, for sure. Okay, Dave, I want to thank our patrons. I was hoping you so would. I will. Thank you so much to Chase W. Norton. Typehero.dev. Never is not just a crater on Mars. Flamingo emoji. I like chicken. I like liver. Meow mix. Meow mix. Please deliver a trash panda to computersciencebook.com. Valentin at Datafold. Santa Hope. Arkensi Dodds. Jenny Kim. Owen Shardle. Craig Motlin. The Stochastic Parrot. Patreon.com. We're hiring. Ira Chan. Monkey Face Emoji. Jonathan King. Webtow. Awesome. End to end testing. Will Angel. Ragnar. Travis. Braden Keynes. John Grant. The unsettling nature of not knowing in all caps. And Nick Cantor. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to these people who have contributed such that we shout them out 
and in 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 our minds every day as well. If you want to join them, you can go to softskills.audio, click support us on Patreon, and then do the thing it says, and you'll get an invite to our Slack team and a weekly or one-time shout-out, depending on how much you contribute. And you keep the show going, you pay for Dave's very expensive uh, coconut water habit. I don't know. <laughs> he <true>. bathes in it. <laughs> it's actually intravenous coconut water. It It's very expensive. You have too much blood in your coconut water system. <laughs> Got to fix that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This episode is sponsored by Notion, which is the best note-taking app with very useful artificial intelligence features. We'll tell you more about Notion in the middle of the show today. But first, a question. Yes. This is from a person calling themselves the sleepy engineer who says, Hey, soft skills engineering, how do you deal with drowsiness? I notice that sometimes when I'm very tired at my desk, I end up eyes closed, head drooped down as I work, which I imagine is a bad look for anyone passing by. During this time, I would either get a coffee or stand up and walk around somewhere, which is a temporary fix, but ultimately I'm still very tired. I know in a few really big company HQs, there might be a sleeping quarters if you plan plan to stay the night, but my company is certainly not one of them. Any advice on how to get through the day? Thanks for the great show. All right. Well, I guess we're officially pivoting to a medical advice podcast now. Yeah. We're just going to tackle this. (laughs) I mean, get enough sleep is (laughs) pithy, but probably reasonable advice. I'm assuming that is... Well, no, I won't assume. There's probably stuff you can do to get more sleep. Can you be better about your sleep hygiene? Can you stare into your phone late at night less or go to bed earlier? But you can feel the waves of hypocrisy coming off of me right now, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully this podcast is transmitting at high enough bit rate that you can just like <laughs> smell the utter, <laughs> you, can, you can smell the, the empty cans of energy drinks scattered around my desk. So easy to say, but harder to do, certainly. We've actually amended the MP3 codec to have a side channel for transmitting hypocrisy information. <laughs> and it has really bloated the size of our file our download. You may have noticed this episode took a long time to download. That's why. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I get tired at work a lot. And you know what I do? What? I take a nap because <laughs> I work from home. Oh, yeah, do you really? You've nap in the middle of the day? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I've tried. It's hard for me to fall asleep in the middle of the day. I I will like get through with my morning i mean sometimes this isn't like an everyday thing but if if the schedule allows it usually i have this lull when the whatever drug or practice i have done to keep me awake in the morning wears off and then sometimes i'll just go zonk out for like half an hour are you the kind of person that can fall asleep quickly and wake up without being in a complete stupor i think i have developed that skill yes oh so it wasn't like that tired enough you kind of practice that. Yeah. I mean, kids, like, if you're always exhausted, then you can fall asleep quickly. I think that's part of it. I like how you just said but, kids. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> explains the <yeah>. whole thing. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and not wake up in a complete stupor. I think I'm just always in a complete stupor. <laughs> so I don't wake up any less stupid. <laughs> that's That's what's... That's the... Adjective for being in a stupor, right? Yeah, I think than, so. Than I was before. But if you are in an office, it is probably frowned upon to curl up underneath your desk. Yeah. 
underneath your cubicle. Wasn't there a Seinfeld episode about that? I don't know. There was I watched a, much Seinfeld. There was well, there was. Uh, George Costanza realized that he had a job that was completely undemanding, and so he decided to go all in on finding ways to sleep at work. And he mm. he actually had, like I think he, if I remember right, he had a carpenter come to his office and build a sleeping cubby into the bottom of his desk, along with a little <laughs> alarm clock cubby for it and like a place to put a magazine and book. <laughs> and he would just get in there and sleep. So that's one option. Actually, I remember when where this started. It was after our first kid was born. I think it was during parental leave. My wife snored really loudly, so I would go into what was then my office, but I didn't have like a bed or anything. I would just mm-hmm. lay down on the ground <laughs> and fall asleep on the carpet. Wow. And so that made it so that it is easy for me to fall asleep. I, I trained. It's like how you lift weights that are really heavy so you can lift less heavy stuff. Easily. I can, right? I can it's like, it's fall like, asleep well, on the floor, cuddled, like, I don't know, huddled into a ball like a dog. So if there's a couch, I'm good. (laughs) So the couch feels like a major upgrade. Yeah, it's great. Huh. Okay. Interesting. There have been a few times, especially working from home, where I've been very tired, and I've wanted to go and catch some shut-eye, catch some Zs uh, in the middle of the Mm workday, and I just, I go lay down, and I just lay there and stare at the ceiling and think about all the things I need to be doing Think about all the stuff you should be doing right now. exactly. And after yeah. about 20 minutes of that, I just come back to my desk and start working on all those things I was thinking about. I actually have, I mean, this is not at all, like this person is in the office, so I, none of this applies. But sometimes I put on like a little meditation thing or I don't know. And if, if I'm if my mind is racing, but I still really need a quick one, then I'll, I'll do that. But I have tried to do it and then just pop back up and said, nope, I got to go review these PRs and whatever. Now with some of these AI systems, you could generate custom meditation tracks that say things like, you could do like an integration with your Jira system, just have it read you the (laughs) ticket titles. (laughs) Fix justification of text on the create modal. Oh, that would be a nightmare. (laughs) That would be the worst. Mindfulness. Any advice on how to get through the day? Yeah, this is this is rough. And uh, they mentioned getting a coffee. I, I feel like, for me at least, caffeine is borrowing energy from the future. Yeah. I always end up more tired at like a higher spike of tiredness than I than I where it's kind of smoothed out over a longer period if I don't drink caffeinated stuff. Which might be okay. It's like tech debt. You know, it's like, hey, we choose yeah. to take a shortcut now. And then later this evening, I'm absolutely going to be destroyed, but at least I won't be at work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then my family gets zonked out, laying on the couch and able to move Jameson. Right. <laughs> instead, of, instead of my coworkers. Look, my boss needs to get the best of me. Yeah. And I think that's an important <laughs> tenet to live by. Yeah. Still very tired. I mean, I'll, I'll say two more things that are easy to say and hard to do, but diet and exercise can also affect energy levels. And again, the hypocrisy, if if your computer just froze, <laughs> it's because it tried to par- parse gigabytes of hypocrisy <laughs> feeds. I don't know. But I have in the past eaten well and exercised. And I did at that time feel like I had more energy. Oh, okay. That's good. I thought you were just going to double down on the caffeine. 
<laughs> oh no! Well, like, look. I mean, if you can delay the the sleepiness crash inevitably by just continuously consuming caffeine, then I don't know. I think you go insane eventually, right? <laughs> yeah, don't you, don't yeah. you actually literally go go mad if you don't sleep enough? If you don't sleep for long enough? Well, you know, I have heard it said that sleep is actually more critical to your body than food and water, because unlike food and water, your body will actually force you to sleep if you go too long. And maybe that's just by completely losing touch with reality. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that can be our very special 500th episode. We we stay awake for 72 hours and then record the and podcast. Just keep recording. Yeah, just see. <laughs> it's like a 70-hour podcast. <laughs> how weird it gets. We're just that could get that could get pretty wild. Gibbering in the corner mindlessly. There'd be a lot of just silence. <laughs> well, that would be sleep. <laughs> yeah. So okay, no, it's true. been long enough that I can admit it on the show. When I worked at a previous job at a megacorp, we had to do these all-nighter shifts during holiday times because it was e-commerce, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I'd be on this like I don't know ten thirty p.m. to four a.m. shift. Just in case something Oof. broke, because the the time it would take to page someone and get them up and then at their computer and get the context could potentially be worth enough that they decided it was worth the human cost to just have people there. And so you were at home. I was at right? home on a Zoom call, 100% asleep. There were people that were not asleep, and I admire them, but I was counting on those people to yell to wake me up if, if something So you happened. would have like the... Did you have like headphones in or something so that if it got loud, you'd wake up? Yeah. I just, I mean, I was in my office and it's far enough away that I could turn it up. So I just, okay. again, more things that don't help you. <laughs> just if you don't care enough, then you can sleep anywhere. It sounds like you're partially there with your head dropped down, your eyes closed. But it says, as yeah. I work, like, wait, how do you, <laughs> how do you wait work with your head drooped down and your eyes closed? I mean, I have very good assistive technologies. Yeah. You know, I don't, it's all screen readers. And there's a talk by Rich Hickey called Hammock Driven Development, which is all about kind of the, the like subconscious downtime that leads to better solutions. But if you watch that talk cursorily, you could decide that it actually means to literally put a hammock in your office and sleep a lot. And then that'll somehow mean you get more stuff done. So you could. Have your whole team watch that and say, we're going all in on this. And that's yeah. why I have a futon in, in my cubicle now. <laughs> in my cubicle. <laughs> that's why our open plan office has a little air mattress next to my yeah. <laughs> next yep. to my desk. It's so perfect. Uh, it is a tough one, though. I mean, if you if you are struggling to get through the day without falling asleep at your desk... And, and and personally, I got to say, like, for me, that would take a lot of tiredness because when I'm sitting at my desk, I feel like I am on display, on a stage almost. Yeah. And just the, the, the idea that someone could walk by and see me asleep is enough to keep me awake. It's a stimulant in and of itself. <laughs> so... <laughs> If, you, if you're even in that scenario, if you're still falling asleep, I think you probably have a pretty serious problem and you might, you might want to go get checked out. Like I've heard of people going and doing sleep studies. I don't know. 99% of the time they come home with a CPAP machine. So, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I have noticed that. There's a lot of people with CPAP machines these days. Yeah. I, I mean, I believe that they help some people, but I also, I just... I feel like I would do one and they'd say, yep, you're tired. We've studied you. <laughs> yeah. Turns out you're tired. 
I, no, they would never say that. Yeah. What I found is that when you go to a doctor, they, instead of telling you your symptom, they tell you the Latin name for your symptom. And that's supposed to like make you feel better. Like, oh, I have a diagnosis now. Yeah. And you, you go you look have, it up and it's like, oh, that's just Latin for tired. <laughs> Somnus ex, explosiviosa. That sounds like a Harry Potter spell. It's <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Someone should make a website called Harry Potter or Medical Diagnosis, and you have to guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I also saw a video. It's like a little, like a YouTube short or something recently, where someone says, "I'm just so tired all the time. I would give anything to not feel so tired." And the other person goes. How, would you go to sleep eight hours before you're supposed to wake up? I was like, no, no way. I would never do that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a trap because it feels like time free from responsibilities where really you are making future you who has to deal with responsibilities while you're more tired, miserable. Uh, yep. But I hate that guy, so screw him. <laughs> future me. <laughs> future me sucks. Future me is like a superhero. <laughs> he can do anything. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, I'll be smarter, I'll be wiser. I'll be a little more tired. But <laughs> but I'll make up for it by being I smarter. I will know more about the complete works of the Smallville director from reading its Wikipedia page all night or whatever I'm doing. And that will give me the power to get through the day. Uh. It is hard, though. I mean, and and just telling people to go to bed early also doesn't work, you know. But fortunately, there are technical solutions to this problem that involve being able to obsess over metrics now because you can buy all these smartwatches that will tell you exactly mm. how long you spent in different phases of sleep. And then you can then you have something else to worry about. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to. Yeah. You got to put some KPIs on your sleep. And that works for exactly. some people. Yeah, maybe if you're that kind of person. All right, well, have we given enough useless advice to consider yep. this question answered? <laughs> also, I'll give one last thing. Pair programming can help because of the on-display pedestal effect that you described, Dave. It's it's hard to fall yeah. asleep at your desk if there's someone else typing what you're saying, and then they just start typing Z, 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 Z. Z, 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 compiler error. Yep. What? Or worse, it works. All right. Okay, should we talk about our sponsor for this episode, Notion? We should. We should. I love Notion. Do you know what? I use Notion lots of times, but I also use it every Saturday morning because it has the recipe for the waffles I make my kids. And nice. <laughs> so it's deeply embedded in our in our lives. Now one of my children has decided that they hate the waffles, but that's not Notion's fault. <laughs> so maybe you need to ask notion ai yeah how do i make this recipe better so my kids will like it yeah that's a good idea i'll try it and unlike most ais it's actually nicely integrated into the app so if you did that it could actually amend your notes directly in the app i might actually literally try this right now okay <laughs> and then we'll do a little bit of this and a little bit of this Aha! Add some flavors. Add a teaspoon of vanilla extract or a pinch of cinnamon for a hint of sweetness and flavor. Serve the waffles with their favorite fruits, such as sliced strawberries, blueberries, or bananas. Drizzle some chocolate syrup or maple syrup. Way ahead of you there, Notion AI. Sprinkle some powdered (laughs) sugar or whipped cream. Also way ahead of you there. But those first two I have not tried. All right. Nice. It worked. Well, 
it gave me ideas, which is it working. I don't know if the ideas worked, but that's my job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there you have it. Actually useful integrated AI. This is not just a silly chatbot in the sidebar of the Notion app like so many other apps have done. I also didn't have to do anything to say, like, highlight this text and extract it or anything. I just, like, asked it a question in my document and it mm-hmm. grabbed the context. So that's cool. That's awesome. Notion AI. It's great. Notion is a great product. I use it all the time. Their AI features are useful and excellent. And you can try it for free when you go to notion.com slash soft skills. Yep. Go to notion.com slash soft skills. Try Notion AI today. Okay, let's head back to our next question, shall we? Yes, Dave, can you read this one? I will, but only because you asked so nicely. Good. All right, this is from an anonymous listener who says, after seeing hypergrowth from 2021 to 2022, our company has become a bureaucratic hellhole. <laughs> RFCs, PRDs, ADRs, reports... My manager, who's the director of engineering, requests these documents but never reads them. When someone doesn't like the solution proposed, they have the option to say no, and the project is blocked, but nobody, including the manager of the team, has the autonomy to say yes and move forward. How do you deal with this, or is it time to give up and listen to the patented advice and quit my job? I have so many thoughts about this. The first one is, it feels like every small company talks blissfully about how nimble they are and how they're not like other companies and then they all it's like convergent evolution where everything turns into a crab except everything (laughs) every company turns into a giant bureaucracy just because it's like the pressures i don't know to, to get thousands of people working together you need rules and layers and they have negative side effects that make your life worse and, but, and the cost the cost of mistakes at that scale are much higher, so you have to have protective mechanisms in place. Yeah. Yeah. My manager requests these documents but never reads them. Does anyone else read them? Like, is your manager requesting them for other people to to read them? Are they approving them? Or is your manager requesting them just to slow you down? Yeah. Maybe they're worried about you doing bad stuff if you're not <laughs> distracted by writing rfcs and ards and or adrs and prds we should probably define those they're actually all three-letter acronyms for the same thing yeah bureaucracy <laughs> brc yeah <laughs> just kidding that's actually not true i actually like a lot of these documents i've never seen an rfc in an internal document for engineering though so i believe rfc stands for request for comment and there's like a very yeah. formal structure for it that is used by some standards bodies. I don't know if yeah, these exactly. are that formal. That, it's like the must and shall and should and kind of like yeah, shall shall not. Yeah, I've never seen an RFC. I mean, I've, I've seen tons of RFCs, like the IETF. Like a lot of the web is defined with RFCs, but I've never seen an RFC yeah. process used within a company. I've seen one. It hasn't. I haven't seen one that's been as formal as you literally have to follow. There. I mean, there's a. RFC defining the RFC format, but yep. I interpret this as I want to do this thing. What do you think? Or I'm proposing we do this thing. And RFC is sort yeah, of and I like call a, that a proposal. Yeah, <laughs> but RFC makes it sound cooler. Yeah, that's true. Because cool stuff has RFCs. You sound smarter. So yeah, yes. in my mind, an RFC is like there's this technical, I don't know, architectural change I want to make, and I'm gonna get feedback on it. PRD. 
product requirements document? Yeah, I've, I've usually seen that more in the context of user facing or, or kind of business facing stuff where yeah. we have yeah. this need and here's the context for it and how we'll know we did a good job, etc. What about ADR? This one was new to me, architectural decision record. And I need to go back to my company and add some more bureaucracy because I like this. <laughs> <laughs> Soon they will curse this question asker. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this one is more like, here's a record of a decision we have, a significant decision we've made in the past that we want to keep around so that other people can understand why we made it. Yeah, and not undo it without the respect that it deserves. Yeah. It's like it's almost like a warning document. It's like, warning, we considered this very carefully. Here are th- If you've only thought about this for five minutes, here are 10 things you probably didn't think of. Yeah before you go and make a flippant, silly decision that you're going to regret. And in principle, this is an awesome idea because so many dumb technical mistakes I make are coming into a situation without context and saying, I don't get it. This is probably stupid. And then I rip it all out or change it. And then I realize later, oh, yeah, (laughs) I am stupid. (laughs) This is not stupid. (laughs) They did this for a reason. There is something here that is stupid and it's not this. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> but other times there were constraints in place that are in place no longer. And and yes. so something made sense because it was path dependent. And now, I don't know, like CDNs are a thing or the cost of compute has right. gotten low enough or something, something, something. Or, or we deprecated a product that was the key motivator for this. Yeah. It's like, oh, we don't need that anymore. Yeah. The, the we don't need that anymore is a surprisingly hard question to answer for businesses oh, feels that so are good. older than like a year. You know, do we need this? I don't know. You know how <laughs> CSS in JavaScript became a thing partially to get rid of that problem where there's this problem with CSS where it's sort of like append only, like you end up with these giant CSS yeah. bundles and it's hard to look at them and say for sure, this is not used so I can delete it or change right. it. Uh-huh. And so we invented this whole new technology that has a bunch of other trade-offs. It feels like a similar thing of like, it's hard to look at a stack and say, this decision is not load-bearing anymore because the cost yeah, of removing load, load, it I like that. is high. If it, if it is. I like that, not load-bearing. That's good. So yeah, this is sort of like making it easier to to knock out vestigial technology choices. Yes. So that's an ADR. That took a while to explain. Uh, yeah, good thing <laughs> they're so the point. fast to produce and <laughs> work with. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. This sounds pretty nightmarish. I mean, I I like all of these things because I like writing and I like thinking about stuff, but they do all take time. And mm-hmm. they, they there's there's like a trade-off here where if the cost of messing up or being unclear is high enough, then it's worth the upfront investment. Because it is a lot of upfront investment to write this thing for whoever's writing it. And then mm-hmm. probably nobody reads it because that's the default state of every <laughs> every document written yeah. work. But if someone does read it, then it's a lot more time. And then if the team has to talk about it, it's even more time. So it's a, it's a huge time investment potentially. And you need a strong case for why it's worth it instead of just going and doing the thing. And it sounds like it's not being applied that way in this case, that it's more like this is just how we work by default. Mm-hmm. The Yeah, the situation of nobody has the autonomy to say yes and move forward, that's brutal because there is risk in doing a thing, right? If you do a thing, it could go wrong. 
And if you say yes, yep. if you're the one who said yes and it goes wrong, then you're sort of at fault. And and like, right. if you have these vague concerns, it's not really a cost to you to say, I don't know, and then like go back to do your other work. So I can totally see how stuff gets blocked. That's right. It's generally very low risk and inexpensive in terms of capital, or sorry, not capital, in terms of political capital to simply say no to things. It's not until you actually stick your neck out by saying yes, that risk comes to you as a decision maker. And I'm guessing here that the situation of all these documents and processes is really not the root cause of this problem. That is a symptom. I'm ge- I'm also guessing that the hypergrowth mentioned in the question is not a coincidence. This company grew very fast, very large, and now there's actual business pressures. And so whereas during 2021 and 2022, the mantra was get big, now the mantra is probably get fit. You know, and that's this is a common pathway that I see a lot of companies go through. They, they mm. It's like, look, number one job is get big, get big fast. Number two job is, okay, now let's get fit. Let's make sure we're actually doing things right. And everyone is hiding because nobody wants to admit that they were actually part of the get big yeah. and not a necessary part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've i seen two solutions for this. One of them I learned from a, a coworker at this giant megacorp I worked at where I fell asleep during the critical on-call shift. <laughs> yes. And they taught me the phrase, unless anyone objects, or I, I intend to is another way to put it. Sort of like, nice. here's what I'm going to do. Like, stop me if you care enough. But I'm not asking you, right. should I do this thing? I'm saying, I'm going to do this unless you say, no, you can't do that. And then like, we'll talk yeah, it's about like a, it. It's like a question of default. Like, yeah. What's going to happen if people do nothing? Yeah. And in this case, for this question asker, what happens if people do nothing? The answer is nothing happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You might have heard of this called like bias for action in other contexts too. Yeah. Like you're going to do stuff unless you are stopped. And there are cases where this is bad, just like everything. But in a culture like this, where everything feels very stagnant and stopped, you can kind of inject a like... It's it's likely you have overcorrected and the cost of doing nothing is higher than the cost of doing something, even if that something might be wrong. So you sort of need to like pull the crank the other direction and say, we're, we're going to do stuff and maybe it's going to be wrong. And if we know ahead of time, it's going to be dumb and wrong. We'll stop. But right. Do Otherwise, things. we're going to learn the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> and and that was just my I think they actually reported to me. They just started doing this and I, I loved it. And stuff happened that I didn't want to have happen sometimes but it was far outweighed by the amount of stuff that happened that I didn't have to say, go do that thing for. Right. So that's that's one way. You can kind of like just grab the autonomy and say, don't say, can I do this? Kind of flip it around. Just say, I'm going to do this unless you stop me. So yeah. here's your chance. Yeah. I was also, like this question asker, I was part of a hypergrowth organization Although a few years ahead of this, I, I joined an organization in 2016 that had about 800 engineers when I joined it and grew over the next two years to 5,000. Whoa. So huge. Yeah, crazy growth. And one of the effects of that growth was that teams, whole teams and organizations constantly felt the need to justify their existence. And 
what this led to was a lot of documentation. It was like, here's our here's our wiki homepage. Here's all the team members. Here's our, our tenants. Here's our charter. Here's our mission statement. Here's all of our, our historical record of all the major design decisions we've made. Here's all the impact documentation like, look, see, that we have to see, show you. We're doing it. See? Yeah. 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 Exactly. And and I think it, this was actually, this was the effect of a deep-seated fear that one day management was going to wake up and go, we're spending how much on five different teams that do essentially the same thing? And that you were going to be the four of one of the four teams that had to be let go as a result. Yeah. And this really affected people. And that day did come, by the way, where <laughs> and I had left, I had left the company about two years prior or maybe one year prior. Yeah. But the day did come, that reckoning. And so... I don't know how well all these documents protected people, but probably not very well at all. <laughs> it's like a cargo culting to try to defend your job. So anyway, th- that's what I think is probably happening here. Like I'm reading a lot into this comment that says that we were part of a hypergrowth phase from 21 to 22, which a lot of companies were. Yeah. I guess this is, I was going to say another thing, which is the same thing as what I already said that I intend to. I worked mm-hmm. with a, a boss at a different company who pushed really hard on the idea of, of not waiting that if you have a good idea, you're not waiting for permission to do it. You you can like rally people around it if you need more help to do it. But we have so much to do and so much to learn that we can't we can't wait on everyone to agree all the time in order to accomplish things because there's just I mean if you write a bunch of PDRs and RFCs and ADRs, the people who ostensibly need to read those and comment on them all have other work to do as well like there's they're not full-time document readers so there can be long turnaround times in these processes it can take weeks to get through an rfc if people are kind of distracted or or busy with other stuff or or there's a lot of like asynchronous work around it going on so don't wait was the the mantra that they were pushing and did it work trying to think i don't know i feel like it kind of worked people did stuff yeah but that was that was like top down pushing that was that was someone seeing some of this and saying with with like organizational authority saying i think we should correct this and that is not yeah. the situation you're in you're kind of bottom up the, well it's interesting because pro- yeah this question asker is not in that position but i guarantee you the leaders of this company would hate to learn that their middle management and individual contributors are paralyzed by this bureau- by all this bureaucracy. And I what I have noticed is that bureaucracy like this and processes and useless documentation and things they almost always are generated by the middle layer. Yeah. You know, leadership except in in certain exceptional circumstances like highly regulated industries like maybe finance or healthcare. Mm-hmm. Outside of those circumstances, this middle management tends to generate all of this and it's like the people at the top hate it, the people at the bottom hate it, but the people in the middle live and breathe by it because it you know it keeps them keeps their job justified it keeps them safe and it's just an it's just a terrible incentive system that's been created here yeah i mean part of the job if you're in the middle too is like push out information about what your teams are doing and this does push out information so i don't think it's all just self-serving like generate work to make yourself look busy it's sort of like Mm -hmm. no i mean another thing you could do is so it sounds like you have a Anyone can veto a project. Mm -hmm. It's not like a majority. There's not a decision maker who decides anyone can object. And that feels like it could be ineffective. And you can propose moving away from that. If people really like 
bureaucracy. Good news. There's bureaucratic solutions for <laughs> consensus that are not anyone yep. who doesn't like it gets to block it. You can do like this to five, which is uh, yep. I, I, a scale of how much you agree or disagree with the idea. A fist is like, I hate it and I will block it. And a five is I love it and I'm going to give my life to moving it ahead. And then any, no in one between. ever does one, two, three or four. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it gives a, it gives a range for the proposer to collect feedback. And if there is someone who is super against it, they get to decide I will engage with them and try and understand or not and kind of work through how against the idea people are to see if there's yeah. useful feedback. Cause sometimes people see stuff you don't. Yeah. But it it makes it from a binary thing to a to a more more nuanced approval or disapproval that you can do what you will with. There's also is it racy? What's that framework? Responsible, accountable. Yeah, racy. Yeah. Con- consulted and informed. Informed. Yeah. There's a couple other ones that are different acronyms, but they they have the similar idea of there are different roles involved in decisions, and not everyone is deciding yes or no on the thing. And mm-hmm. some people are consulted for their opinion, but they do not get to say yes or no. They they get to give feedback where some people are responsible for delivering the outcome. And they're generally the ones who, who decide because they're responsible for the outcome. So you can advocate for adopting something like that and saying, look, it's it's too easy to block stuff. We need to do stuff. And this this method will allow us to collect feedback, but move forward still. And someone is ultimately responsible. So if it is a if it turns out horribly, then they get to deal with the consequences and kind of learn yeah. and, and report back why it happened and what they'll do differently. But the possibility of something going wrong is not a good reason to not do anything. Right. Absolutely. And that's another thing is that it sounds like this organization may be allergic to risk and everyone just is in protection mode and saying hey i just don't want to take risk yeah and so th- this you know risk tolerance is kind of a top down thing so it would be hard to influence that you know but maybe there have been actions where people got fired because they made bad decisions and it's very easy to fire people right now or they were you know they were laid off under the guise of cost savings but everyone knows it's because they made that bad call and they didn't have enough documentation to justify it <laughs> yeah so now we need more documentation hmm so that that could be the case here, but I'm telling you, like all of these, I think are going to be very, very difficult to implement as an individual contributor at the bottom of this org chart. Yeah, it's fair. So I'm kind of leaning toward quit your job. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's gonna. Here's the thing: an organization that's running this way, you're gonna get probably laid off soon anyway. So you could either just kind of ride it out and and try to find another opportunity while that's happening. Or you could try to, you know, just try to go find, I don't know. I don't even have an either or. I'm just like, this is just such a painful thing. The market sucks for new jobs right now. The, your current job sucks. So you probably need to stick it out, you know, to keep your bills paid. But uh, while you're sticking it out, you can probably try to do everything in your power to not, to, tr- to be perceived as a valuable contributor who keeps the business running well and isn't just part of this bureaucracy machine. I'm going to give the other soft skills engineering advice, which is talk to your manager. Dave, you mentioned that it's likely that people in leadership are not pumped about this situation. Your manager may or may not be high up enough that they're part of the problem or solution. But I think if you express this genuine concern that it's hard to get stuff done and and you want to move faster, I don't imagine they would 
jet. And if you can get them onto your side a little bit more, then it is easier to propose some of these organizational changes around it. I guess if, if your manager is part of the cause of it, you could try and see what, what type of need they're trying to fulfill and see if there's another way to fulfill that need with it. But they, they just might not perceive how stymied you feel as an individual yeah. contributor because of this, because a lot of their job is 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 this kind of thing. It's building consensus right. and going to different groups and getting feedback. And, and so like, well, yeah, it just takes a long time. Uh, but they might not want all of their all of their teams individually to work this way as well. So I think it'd be worth talking to your manager about. Yeah, and when you have that conversation, you're probably going to want concrete information. Like, hey, this task should have only taken three days, but it took two weeks because of the following seven bureaucratic steps that got in the way. I just want you to be aware of the effect of this bureaucracy on my ability to contribute at a level that the company wants. And if you have more than one example, and especially if some of the examples are not a thing that you were proposing that got blocked by this... Because it's very, mm -hmm. it, it'd be very easy for you to say, I hate this bureaucracy. It causes us to be so slowed down. And then your manager digs into it and they find out it's actually because your idea that you are passionate about was blocked. The bureaucracy is working. Yeah, yeah. They might roll <laughs> their eyes and say like, idea. oh, yeah, of, of course you don't like it because your pet project was not approved. Yeah, right. So bring objective third party projects that also got blocked. Yeah. So They're obviously good. Really, you need to seed the team with a bunch of good ideas that get crushed to strengthen your case. <laughs> exactly. All right. Have we answered this question? I think so. This is, yeah, this is an interesting problem and tough to deal with, but I think you can make some progress on it. All right. Dave, what should people do if they want their own questions answered? Head over to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button where you can fill out our form with as much or as little information as you want. Thank you to everyone who does that every week. We love reading your questions. Keep them coming. Thank you. Thank you. We'll catch you next week. Mm -hmm.